Welcome to Finding Home with Scott Harris, where we take a fresh look at what home means. People are drawn to New York to make big visions into reality, and I've guided hundreds of them to find homes that support these dreams. Each episode is dedicated to their stories. I'm Scott Harris, your host. Welcome back to Finding Home with me, Scott Harris. This episode, I'm chatting with my good buddy and architect, Alan Berman, who uh, is an award-winning architect and his architecture firm, Archetype, is doing amazing work all over New York City. Um, I've known Alan for many, many years, so this is a lot of fun to talk to him about his process. And what's really fascinating is how he's creating home. It's not just about finding a home, it's also about how he's helping people really create a vision, design and create a vision and execute on a vision. You know, one of the hardest things that people have, it's not in imagining the home, it's actually getting it from the idea into form. And I've hired Alan myself, my wife and I hired him and his firm to help create, to do a big renovation for ourselves. And it's a joy when you, actually what happened was we, we made a scale model out of, out of cardboard and put little people in it uh, for a set of stairs that we designed for a duplex. And then for it to become reality was just incredibly um, powerful, emotional to see it come to life. And Alan is just a terrific guy. So he's full of personality. One of the things I love about him is that he uh, he's the kind of person that you can just argue and get into it with, and then um, it just passes because he's so accustomed to people uh, freaking out. Uh, he's just like uh, the work that I'm doing with clients. It's very similar in that uh, people are at their most emotionally vulnerable, and so they sort of lash out when things go a little bit crazy. Um, I know I've lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> with him for sure. But I think you'll enjoy this conversation with me and Alan. Um, he's just amazing. So enjoy it. Thanks. Good. Thank you. So I want to welcome Alan Berman to the stage here on our Instagram live, Finding Home with Scott Harris. So Alan uh, has been an architect on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and doing work all around Man all around New York City for how long, Alan? 20 uh, 21, 20 years. Yeah. It, and uh, uh, you've been following. Happened. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, what happened is a fluke. I left Bed Bath and Beyond and just wanted to do a little boutique out of my house. And then I met a couple brokers like Scott that found me and recommended me. And before you know it, I've got eighteen people now, thanks to people like Scott. So, well, Alan, you don't even. I think I told you this when we first, first, first met. That my wife lived on Eighty Sixth Street between Columbus and Amsterdam. And there's this little office that I walked by all the time between her apartment and the, and the little greasy diner on Columbus called the Three Star. Now it's really funny, nobody calls, it's, it's kind of like, um, like no one calls their restaurant the Three Star. They call it the Five Star, right? They, but this diner called it themselves a Three Star and they lived right up to that reputation of yeah. being a Three Star diner, including getting shut down for you know, it didn't scare us away, but they got shut down for, I don't know how many violations over time, which was kind of fun. Um, but you, you had your office there. And then when we were moving, 
years later, we were moving from 111th Street to 102nd Street. And we, we had friends, we were looking around for architects. And I had a, fr a good friend of mine that we were really considering. And uh, some other friends said, oh, you got to talk to our architect. We love him. His name is Alan Berman. He's great. And, I, and his company is called Archetype. And I said, oh, I, I remember them. They had an office right by where Sarah's apartment was. I called you and we, we all of a sudden realized that the apartment that we were buying, you were living in the building. You said, oh, That's I correct. live on 102nd Street. And you're like, what building? And they go, oh, I know the super. So we ended up hiring you to do this major you know, combination. And fast forward 10 years, and I don't know how many people we know that we've, we've sent you to or how many renovations you've done, but I wanna, I wanna hear, I, I don't wanna dominate this whole thing. I'd like to ask you some questions. So between when you started and, and now, I mean, how many, how many apartment renovations or townhouse renovations do you think you've, you've done? Well, townhouses are more recent in the last seven or eight years. So I could tell you about 25 or 30 townhouses at varying scales, either for end users or developers. Apartments, I'd say 20 times 30, at least five or 600, I would say. Um, and it's funny. I mean, if you are out there and people are recommending you and if people see you and what's the reason for the storefront originally, it's word of mouth. And it's either from brokers or people that have used you before. When we first, well, we met, no, I met you after 2008. But in 2008, remember when there was a real estate boom before everything crashed? Right. Uh, that went from two people to eight people. And it was like a revolving door. People begging you to help work with them in 2006 and seven, because everyone was buying real estate. Um, and then things crashed in 2008. And we continued um, more recently with the Corona. Um, God, a year ago, I actually thought I was going out of business because uh, all my clients that were signed up to do new projects stopped. And even a lot of my clients that had me on board to do projects were afraid it was the end of the world and were only paying their essential bills. So uh, that was kind of a scary thing for the spring of last year. Now, as I know we've talked, uh, because so many people have moved to the burbs and because so many people are buying in New York City because it's been such a great value the last three or four months. Um, I have been busier than I ever have been, my friend, larger than it ever has been. It is a great time uh, to buy an apartment or real estate um, in New York City. The, the place with the biggest growth I'm finding is Brooklyn, of all places, if you've seen that, um, town, townhouses are flying off the shelves in Brooklyn, just flying off the shelves. So, so you know, we're fast. You talked about 2006, and I kind of want to talk about that compared to now because there's been a lot of parallels in the yes. not in the sense that we're in for some you know major weird crash in the housing necessarily in two years, but actually because it's you know the situation's quite different with interest rates and everything else, but. It seems to me like the the demand for housing right now is almost exactly the same. Are you feeling like the same energy? Are you feeling like clients are well, I guess the question I have is a what's the same and and b what's you know what's different during between then and now you have some perspective um, yeah, I from then I think back in two thousand and six and seven people were blind. they just wanted to get on the bandwagon. They saw people buying, buying, and prices going up. And 
Nope. And I think prices were inflated and the stock market was inflated and nobody saw the cliff coming, which we all fell over in 2008. I think it's different now. I think people see opportunity now. I don't I think people are more cautious. Um, I don't believe that there's any cliff that we're going to fall over. I think people are realizing just like stocks, when things are low and at a good value, it's the time to buy. And the economy is only getting better now that we're coming hopefully out of the pandemic and people are getting healthier and New York is opening up again. So I don't maybe a slowdown in a couple of years, but it continues right now as I speak to escalate with more and more of uh, people buying apartments and houses in New York City. I, have, I am busier now than I was in 2006 and 2007 with no end in sight. So I, one difference, I think, is that the price, we already saw a higher number. We saw a lot yeah. of higher numbers, you know, three or, three or four years ago. So people can kind of see what could be in the future. And I think also, well, talk to me, you know, the people who are doing renovations now, who started now, some of these people bought at the bottom, you know, let's say a few months ago. I mean, you've, I want to really kind of focus a little on the vision piece, because what you and I do what you and I do is very similar. You know, you sit, you meet with clients in this space and you help them envision what it could look like as a final product. I think one of the gifts of a really talented architect like yourself is to paint that vision for people. Um, because it's so, because you're taking people, you're really helping to do, like I can, I can see it, you know, that's my, my, my role is to be able to see through whatever's there and yours is too. But how do you talk about your process? I mean, how do you, I guess, how do you, what are your, talk about your paintbrushes. I just, I want to understand kind of how you, when you size up the situation, how do you go about creating that vision for people? And that's really interesting to me. Well, it's, it's, especially since we do a lot of pre-wars, it's uh, many people are looking to open up the space, but not make it modern. Many people are looking to add a bedroom or to add an office. And I just walk in. I mean, it's just second nature at this point. I just walk in and I know like, oh, my God, I could put a bedroom there. I can move the kitchen here. Not that you always can. And I can literally envision the layout of an apartment within five, 10 minutes of walking around. And what you do, which is very smart, Scott, is that um, a lot of people do not bring architects in early in the game and people, a lot of people buy apartments and they don't know. And I do have people that come to me this way as well. They don't know how it's going to lay out. They don't know what it's going to cost. And with your clients and why I like helping you is because you're informing them before they even sign a contract. Look, this could be three bedrooms. Look, you could have two home offices. Look, you can open this up. And oh, most important thing is people are not shocked after they sign a contract at what things cost. I like to help all my broker friends and clients to give them the range of what things cost. I have a person now that's combining two apartments and I'm giving her a range. You could spend a couple hundred here or you could spend double or triple that. What do you want? Tell me what you can afford to spend and I can show you how the layout still works with a difference in materials or maybe not moving as many walls. So it's, it's, it comes second nature to me. Um, People will call me on the phone. Someone called me yesterday morning. She says, remember we talked three weeks ago about my, my apartment? I said, oh, you mean the one where you wanted to move the two master bedrooms and put the bathroom over here and put the dining? And he was like, how do you remember this? Did you take notes? I'm like, no, I just, 
it's you, become, you filed it away somewhere in your brain filed it away in the architecture archives of my brain so it's it's really second nature i might not be perfect in everything but i know when it comes to space planning uh in a pre-war or in a post-war i know to optimize the planning the rooms and the feel of a large open space so let's i mean yeah it does so so for those people out there who may not be in new york um or may simply have not been around the block yet to can you describe for them you know what you just what you would see as like when you walk into a pre-war meaning before world war ii something that's built before world war ii versus after you know what what would how would you best describe kind of the the space in the pre-war that you're talking about opening things up i mean can you can you just give people like the tiniest little primer on that? Yeah, well, the more the more run down, the better. I see it as an empty canvas. Um, and a lot of people that scares, and to me, it's the opportunity. Um, I, I basically look at how do you maximize the space? Usually I'm walking in with a couple. They're either having a baby or they have another baby coming along. They have this huge oversized pre-war dining room, which no one very rarely use anymore. Uh, and they tell me, look, I need space for three kids. Uh, I need another bathroom. And um, between my head and literally I'll pick up the floor plan or I'll bring the floor plan with me and I'll start sketching right away. Well, look, you can have a third bedroom here. And if you open up this wall between the kitchen, living room and dining room, even though you've lost a little space, you're going to make it feel big and grand. And I literally sketch on the spot and it just becomes a puzzle. Uh, to which I, I mean, uh, in minutes, I can just solve the puzzle. And, and I like to show people like, wow, we never thought of that. Wow, we had no idea it could be this. Wow, I didn't think I could get another bedroom or a home office. Um, so I don't know how else to explain it, but second nature and a great opportunity. And um, But the, the key is you don't want, when you're combining or relaying out an apartment, you don't want it to feel like it's a, it's like a cut up. You don't want it to feel like there's an extra column floating somewhere that wasn't supposed to be exposed. You want to create the hierarchy and the local symmetries to make it feel like it was always laid out this way. Um, I also flip apartments and I had an apartment, I bought two one bedrooms and I made it a three bedroom, three bath. And people in my building said, you can't do that. I'm like, sure, I can do that. Um, and when I first listed it, a broker came in and said, well, this was a two bedroom, two bath. You're never going to get X amount of dollars for it. But I did because I increased the space, added a bedroom, added a bathroom. And I made a million dollars on that one apartment in two years. And I hate to say it, but a lot of my clients start out because they have young families combining or laying out these beautiful apartments and they do such a great job. And I'd like to say we help them do such a great job that so many of them either sell and trade up to larger apartments or sell and trade to the burbs sometimes if that's where they wind up. Uh, half the half of the apartments hanging up on the wall in my office have been flipped and already sold for more money. So resale is really, really, really important to people. And if they ask me, does this work or that work? I'll tell them, look, it, 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 it's, it's nice if that's what you like, but if you're really thinking resale, do not lose that bathroom. Make sure there's a microwave in your kitchen. Make sure you don't have a floating column somewhere. Um, I ran off on that, but I hope that sort of answered your question. Yeah, you know, I it did. Um, I think where, you know, where I'm, it, it's this, 
this line that you seem to walk so well between dreaming with people, you know, really helping them have this vision of what they want, but also bringing in your sort of practical expertise. And I guess, you know, how often are you having, I've heard you have it, but how often are you having the conversation with people like, that's just not, don't do that. Like, as much as, you know, let's find, a, let's find another solution that gives you the, what you're going for, but does it in a way where the apartment's going to feel, it's, maybe it's a less expensive solution, um, just because I don't think you need to spend that money. Like, how often are you having that sort of, it's not that you're tamping down their dream. No. But you're, but you're not, you're just not, so I've seen architects just spend money, what feels like frivolously, like on things that are not, I guess, how do you kind of walk the line? I, I, I see you do it, but how do you decide when you're going to pipe up or does it just come out? It, it just comes out, Scott. Um, you know, like the lady recently in a building, I visited this apartment today. She wanted a home office, okay? She had this gorgeous front gallery, which she could have really fitted out with a beautiful, like, bookshelf library office thing. But she wanted a home office. So I said, don't do it. It's going to kill one of the bedrooms. But she did it anyway. And she regretted it. Um, or at least she regretted the size. And I said to her, look, if you're going to do it, keep it at five feet, please. And she said, no, her interior designer insisted on doing it at six feet. And it killed the bedroom. So inevitably, she knew I was right, because in my head, I know the scale of what things should be in the end. If you're going to do something that I'm against, at least do it proportionally correct. So she wound up spending $5,000 relocating the wall because she realized she didn't listen to me and she moved it. I had another couple. Um, they had a really nice archway between their kitchen and their dining room, but they had an extra pipe somewhere. And it looked like a cut up of an apartment that wasn't really supposed to be laid out that way, if that makes sense. So by covering the extra pipe, I made a double archway, but I made the original archway a little smaller so that I have two archways instead of an offset archway with a pipe. And they're like, no, we can't. It's going to make the space smaller. I'm like, no, it's not. It's going to make it bigger. And I said, trust me on this one. If you don't like it, I'll pay to rip it out. And they trusted me. And now they have a grand double archway. And it feels like how the apartment would have been originally, even though we added it. So, so yeah, no, it does. I mean, it, it sounds to me, it's like you're, you're almost communing with architects from a hundred years ago, you know, cause the, the biggest time when architects were building in the, the, the last biggest boom was 1926, 20. right? 26 to 29 before the, yeah. the, the, the great depression. That's right. And it's like you're you've learned to speak that language, that visual language of what feels natural at that time. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's and, from studying classic architecture in school, obviously. And um, and people got I have one. If anybody goes to my website, it's a uh, thousand Park Avenue that I did. And it used to be like a 12 or 14 room unit. And it was a nine room unit, so oh, so terribly small. But they had this column and this curved wall going around here. And I'm like, what the hell was this last architect thinking in 1982? And they're like, well, really, is that a problem? I said, yes, you want a classical apartment. You can't have a column floating in the middle of somewhere. And so I said, we're gonna mirror that column as the entry to your living room. And they're like, isn't it gonna make it feel smaller? I'm like, no, it's gonna correct the architecture. And they're like, okay, we'll trust you. And I used to have before pictures on my website, but I, I guess my staff felt that it was tacky. Um, 
So I took them off. But you can literally see if you came into my office, like this is what it looked like before by the simple introduction of a column and a tripartite archway, it felt like this unit had always been this grand, beautiful unit like this. And yeah, it's, if I'm good at anything, this is one thing I'm good at, it's just second nature. And, and so, you know, in the, in the context of that, I mean, some people would say, oh, but, you know, I have this old apartment that I wanna um, make more contemporary, you know, kind of take all the detail out of, you know, a hundred year old building and, and go really contemporary. How, when someone wants to do something like that, are you trying to keep them uh, out of their way or are you running, like leaning all the way into it? Now, I, I go for what they want. If they, I have a, a couple right now on West End Avenue and they have a, a two bedroom pre-war and they wanted it all very modern. And they wanted the wide plank floors, they wanted open spaces. Um, and they want no moldings. So I went along with them to make it the best it could be. And they show me pictures of what they wanted and it, and it looks great. Now, one thing that they did keep, there was one rounded archway that went to the back bedroom area. I said, fine, you're gonna make this place modern. Can you do all of us a favor and let me replicate that archway in two other places in this apartment? So the apartment is very modern and it still has the pre-war beams but it's got these three beautiful rounded drywall archways. And that gives you the, it's analogous to what it might've been as a pre-war apartment, even though it's very modern now. So I like to tell people, look, I have what I think is appropriate for a unit, but you give us what your style is and we'll make it the best that it can be. So, you know, here you are, right? Like, like, you're now graduating, right? Like you, what was this? You won an award pretty recently from. Yes. Yeah, so unbeknownst to me, I'm pulling it up on my screen, even though my screen just died. New York City Architects, which is, I'm not sure if it's a magazine or just an online website. But last week I started getting all these calls from people about new projects. I'm like, well, where is this coming from? And someone said, well, I saw you on that article. And I'm like, what article? Right. Anyway. The article is called The Best Residential Architects and Designers in New York City, compiled by this magazine. And they chose the 15 top residential architects in the city. And I'm, I'm number four on the list. It's really, so, so did people, how did people vote for this? I've never heard of this. It's I have no, yeah. I have to call these people and ask how they found me, but they said they had criteria of, you know, um, presence online, years in business. Um, your, vogue, your, your sound just went away, Alan. Hello. I can't hear you. I can't hear you anymore. Oh, there you are. Uh, sorry, your sound now, died for a minute. Yeah, yeah my dog you. opened my office door. My dog comes to the office with me. Um, <laughs> so somehow they chose me out of a list of God knows hundreds. And it's what's really wonderful is they put me in the same list as Peter Penoyer, who is one of the most famous classical apartment architects in all of New York City. And to be on the same list as Peter Penoyer is, is, is a gift. It's really so, a gift. So I don't know. How, I don't know how it happened, but I guess word gets out. All right. So, so here we are, right? I've, you've had, you know, you've had people here who are buying uh, apartments looking to do big renovations or looking to do smaller ones. If you had any tips or 
tools, tricks that you would, things that you would recommend for purchasers who are thinking about renovation? What are the, let's say, what are a couple of things that you might tell them to be thinking about as they, as they set out to maybe do a, a renovation? Well, get in there with an architect first, get your broker to get an architect in there with you. Um, talk about what your vision is for the layout, how many rooms you want. And, you know, the, a pre-war apartment can be a lot more expensive than a post-war because of all the plaster walls and all the structure that's there. So talk to an architect, get a layout, get an architect to give you a budget. Uh, it can be a, a, a budget on a varying scale based on how much you do or might not want to do. Figure out if the plan works, figure out if the budget works for what you want to do. Because if you're buying something, you know, you buy something for $2 million and, you know, you know, if you're going to, you might have to spend five, 600, maybe you're spending less, but you need to find that out. I think before you sign the contract. Now, a lot of people come to me as well. And this one client I was talking about earlier, um, they want to know if they can move a room or move a wet over dry. Um, I'll actually call management companies before people sign contracts and find out if they've allowed them to move a bathroom here or move a kitchen here so that it's not a surprise that they're going to get turned down after they bought something. So do your research, get a layout from an architect. I'm, I happily scribble or draw layouts for people. Don't tell anybody, but I usually don't charge just because I like to. Um, and I, I like, I, they should know what they can, what they can fit. They should know what it costs. And I also explained to them the process. There is a much more difficult process in New York City than anywhere else. There's the co-op condo approvals. There's the DOB approvals. There's the bidding. Uh, there's all the management looking over your shoulder. So I really explained to them the process, let them know what they're getting into and how long it's going to take and that they're not going to start construction the day after they close, for sure. And and just to, to echo or, or just to... to piggyback on what you're saying there. So you've been doing this 21 years. Has it become um, harder to get renovations approved? Have you found it to be, I mean, putting, putting uh, the last year to the side, just from the Department of Buildings or inspections or landmarks, has it been harder these days to get your plans approved? Or um, are people like more open to washers and dryers and central air and things like that, that some co-ops haven't always been cool with I mean, what's what's been your experience lately it's both some have gotten easier um some buildings that you know had older board members were afraid of vertical combinations and they wouldn't allow you to connect to apartments above and below one one board president thought the building was going to fall down so um uh, you are, haven't you haven't made a building fall down yet have you not yet i'm waiting for the first one um Another, uh, and, and also when people are paying so much for apartments, let's say you buy two huge apartments and there's one small kitchen, boards are getting understanding now, the younger boards that, hey, you know, this is upping the value of our building, of our units, uh, of our refinancing, our mortgage if need be, of our resale. And hey, I understand if someone bought these two large apartments, we have to work with them in order to enlarge the kitchen in an appropriate way without affecting the wet over dry. So in those areas, they've opened up. As far as approvals, um, they become more difficult in the approval length of time. And again, that's probably due to COVID this year. But a lot of buildings used to tell you, we will approve your, uh, your renovation within 30 days. And now some buildings are taking up to two or three months. 
And um, you've had every building, it's not like these inexperienced board members are reviewing your complicated plans. They hire an outside architect to review them. So are you finding that those outside building architects um, are responsive and, and, I don't know, engaged in a way that they weren't before? Because I know that there's some dinosaurs out there who are um, making it, you know, certainly making it a challenge. What's uh, what, what's your, how are you finding those architects? Well, the, are they, there's, they're, they're the slowing, they're, are they slowing it down or what's the, uh, the timing there? Yeah, so the, actually the, the dinosaurs are easier to work with. There's a guy named Elliot Glass, if you've heard of him. Mm -hmm. uh, he was one of the dinosaurs, but I've been working with him for years and he's actually gotten easier. I'll send a set of drawings in and get a page worth of notes. There are a couple of large firms that I had one small three bedroom that I'm doing recently. I got 17 pages of notes. So wow. some of the building architects are becoming way more overzealous in their review. I mean, we were basically enlarging a bathroom by adding a shower and we spent <sighs> four, four months getting an approval uh, from this architect who I'm friends with and I used to work with. What, um, what have you what have you found like like what's the most um, I, like a success story where you were like, there's no way they're going to approve this. And then you were like super excited to get some particular thing approved. Is there something recently that that you uh, you were like really proud of yourself for getting done? Yeah, there was there was a townhouse on a very nice block on the Upper East Side, and they all a lot of them had these extensions. And my client had a three floor extension and I was told by, he was told by other architects he met that he could never get his extension to go five floors. He was only going to be able to keep the three floors. Not only did I convince them to let him go, the landmarks to let him go up the five floors for an anomaly because he was in a corner and he wasn't going to be blocking any more light, but also the front of the building was a landmark building. And I was able to prove the insignificance of the original architect and what the building used to look like. And I was allowed to redesign the entire facade of a townhouse on the East 90s. And the full Landmarks Commission approved this. That's, that's um, there's a joke in there about, uh, you know, whether we're gonna be significant or insignificant in, in, a, in 100 years time or whatever, however the age of that architect was that you, his, his, his memory is washed away on the, from the front of that, that building. So much of it is semantics, right? Who's, who's significant now and who's not significant? I'm actually working on another one on the east side right now where we're turning an old stucco building and hopefully into a, um, a limestone building, which adds great value and character. But it, and it's going to look a lot nicer than what's there. So yes, if, some, if you're buying a townhouse and someone says it's landmark, forget it. Not true. There are ways, there's ways to improve sometimes. So that was, that was a feather in my cap. I love that. Well, Alan, you, you're, a, you're a, a gentleman and a, a visionary. And I always love talking to you about all the different projects you're up to. So I, I really want to say thanks for coming and hanging out for a half an hour on a Thursday afternoon. So, um, uh, I... yeah. So, um, you know, if people want to look for you, they, they would go to, they just uh, look up Alan Berman Architect or they go into Archetype. What's the, uh, what's the easiest way to find you? Archetype Architecture, and you'll find us that way, or archetype-ny.com, either way, and you'll find the webpage. You can contact me through the webpage. We're on Instagram under Archetype Architecture as well. And uh, come one, come all.
Nice. Alan, thanks a lot. And uh, I'll see you on the streets of New York or in the, in the houses in New York soon enough, I'm sure. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and Alan Berman. And if you enjoy what you've been hearing with these episodes, we're going to start doing uh, really podcast focused uh, focused interviews strictly for the podcast. A lot of these have been Instagram lives that were converted into podcasts. So we're excited that the quality is better. I'm going to start sharing some of some other things for you, uh, including like music that I've been writing and other fun things to sort of tack on at the end of these podcasts. So we're having a lot of fun. If you enjoy it, please share with your friends. Go check us out at Harris Residential Team on Instagram. We're posting lots of beautiful photos. Um, We're going to be starting to post a lot of things on Medium, a lot of writing that I've been doing. So all of the different things. Um, So if you're here and you're listening, thank you so much and uh, definitely share it and look forward to seeing you at future episodes.